Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Aloha, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you. And Phil, we are uh, definitely giddy right now as we look ahead to the Maui Invitational and also uh, really still kind of buzzing after an impressive win over Illinois on Tuesday night. Uh, I just want someone to go back and listen to the tape from the last podcast. I believe one of us said seven-point victory at Illinois. And I'm going to stand by that. Absolutely nailed it. Um, So, yeah, today's show, we're getting this one out to you a little early because, uh, well, Thanksgiving holidays are coming up. <laughs> Your boy uh, Joe is going. <laughs> I am flying out to Hawaii. Phil has a family trip himself, so we wouldn't be able to record this on the weekend. But we did want to get a little preview of the Maui Invitational out to you before that tournament kicks off. But before we get to that, which we are very excited to talk about, um, we got to talk about this Illinois game, Phil. Uh, you know, uh, there may be some better wins in the country right now, but I can't think of one off the top of my head as far as this early season goes. Yeah, I know we had the Champions Classic on the same night, so Marquette was going up against some pretty interesting games head-to-head TV-wise. But, you know, Kansas beating Kentucky was an expected win. Duke beating Michigan State was probably an expected win. Uh, Marquette, there aren't many teams that have gone on the road and beat a ranked team at this point in the season yet. So, uh, what a heck heck of an effort by Marquette on Tuesday night led by Tyler Kolick. I, I, I guess we start there with, with Kolick's effort, unless you want to start somewhere else. Well, I, the only other game we should acknowledge was Arizona going on the road and beating Duke, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that's a great win, yes. So, so that's, that's probably a higher quality win, which, you know, whatever. That We're not a Duke nor an Arizona podcast. But, yeah, I mean, this was... This was a game, and and we'll talk big picture before we go, you know, deep dive into the game. But this was a game that, you know, it goes one of two ways, right? It either cements that, hey, Marquette is a legitimate, like, you know, title contender, that, that the hype is real. Illinois is no slouch of a team, right? They're a ranked team playing to a sold-out pavilion in, in Champaign, like, you win that game, especially the way they did, and that kind of cements all the, the, the warm, happy, fuzzy feelings we've been having. You lose that game. It doesn't say, hey, you know, Marquette's a fraud, but it certainly opens the door to, you know, well, maybe, you know, maybe Marquette isn't quite as good. And and I think, you know, the big takeaway from this was that Marquette validated that, hey, the preseason hype, at least right now, seems to be legit, real, and and a thing. You know, I, even though the game was tight through for most of the evening, I, like, I never felt like a loss was coming, honestly. I, I don't know how right. you felt. Like, yeah, like, Illinois got close. I know Illinois had, a like, a maybe the biggest lead was maybe three points. But I, like, at no point during that game did I think, oh, Marquette's screwed. This isn't happening. I, I, I was relatively confident from tip to final buzzer. Yeah, well, I I agree, and and it was almost, um, and I think somebody even commented this uh, on Twitter or maybe in one of our our Discord chats that like it felt like the 
It felt like a replay of the Purdue game from early last season where, you know, and infamously where Chase Ross had three cracks at, at, a, at a bucket to extend the lead to, I think, 12 and then, you know, missed it and, and Purdue got a break the other way and, and ended up coming back and, and winning, winning pretty handily. I, like, it felt like this was a game where, hey, we learned that lesson last year. We know how to close out a game. We know how to finish. At no point in the last two minutes did I get, like, nervous, nervous, right? Like, it was like, oh, I really, you know, I, I see a, a path for them to win this game. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't know that I ever doubted the game. It was, it was an exciting game. It was an interesting game. I, I will say, I think for some, it might have even been a little bit of a frustrating game because, you know, Marquette won in, in ways that, maybe aren't typical, right? Like, yes, they outscored Illinois, obviously, but, like, that wasn't, like, except for flashes, it wasn't, like, a beautiful offensive game, right? Like, there was, especially in the second half, there was a lot of ISO one-on-one kind of ball going on the offensive end, and and Marquette was just being gritty on the defensive end. So it wasn't, like, a, you know, a normal win for Marquette, but... That should be encouraging. It shows us that we can we can win multiple ways. Yeah, I I think that's maybe the exciting thing is this team is nowhere near peaked yet. I, right. I think that you're looking for a lot of players who have more offensive game than they have shown through three games, particularly in an environment like that. Uh, you know, to your point, it was really just uh, as far as offensively anyway, it was really just a three man game. It was it was Cole, right. Cam, and Oso. Uh, no one else scored more than five points. Um, the you know Kolick had 24. Uh, he was fantastic on that ankle. We can talk about that in a minute. Cam had 15, and Noso had 13. And again, the, everyone else who played had at least one bucket, but really no more than that. I mean, Stevie Mitchell had two field goals, and David Joplin had one field goal and three free throws. That's that's the that's the scoring from everybody else. Everyone else had one field goal. Uh, and Actually, Chase Ross didn't have a field goal. He had two free throws. But So it was really just those three players, Kolick, Cam, and Oso, that carried Marquette offensively. Um, and, and yeah, I agree. With, like David Joplin has way more offensive game than he showed. I think he, he looked a little right. bit... It was, he was, I think he was in a bit of a funk uh, for whatever reason in that Illinois game. Nothing seemed to go right for him offensively, but Joplin contributed a lot defensively. I, I thought he was very good on defense. He was active on the glass. He had five rebounds, and he felt like he had more than that. Um, so... There are ways to contribute when you're not putting in the bucket, and I think that's what you saw from Joplin and a few others on Tuesday. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up Joplin because I, I, you know, and I know as the resident, you know, owner of all the Jopwagon stock, like I know maybe 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 he's a uh, he's a victim of my own branding and uh, uh, and advocacy, but I, I feel like there was there was a little bit of rumblings of like, oh, what is you know. Joplin had a bad game, you know, he's really not what we thought he was, and and maybe the overhype, but, like, for me, the the whole point of, like, kind of the Joplin thing and, like, why I like him as a player so much, and I think it showed up in this game, is he's offensively streaky. Like, he can, you know, he can explode, right? We saw four or five games last year. I think, you know, most, most famously the, uh, was it the Seton Hall game where he went off for, like, 24 point no it was the DePaul game um the DePaul 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 game at the Allstate or or at uh, the Wind Trust you know exploded offensively but you know you would love to see a little more consistency offensively like you said he he seemed a little just off from an offensive end 
But what, what's exciting about a player like Joplin, and this is where I think the culture that Shaka is, you know, has created is it's easy, it's easy for a player like Joplin whose entire persona is largely predicated on the offensive end. Yep, he's a big, he wants to get buckets, he wants to hit threes. Um, it's easy to see him struggling on the offense and go, okay, he's going to, he's going to put his head down. He's not going to, he's not going to contribute, but he finds other ways to contribute, you know, just like he did in the, the UConn game in the garden in the big East tournament, right? Where he had to play, where he had to step in and play, you know, essentially a small five and was, was guarding Klingon, uh, you know, the one of the projected potential, you know, national players of the year, right? Like he had to guard Klingon for extended periods of minute. Again, that's not something you say, hey, this is David Joplin's, you know, wheelhouse. So like he contributed in other ways, you know, with rebounds, with defense. Yes, you can see where there are mistakes and, oh, I, I wish he didn't do that or I wish he didn't predetermine a drive and just put his head down and go to the bucket. But it's it's that he fits in with the rest of the pieces. When Tyler, Oso, and Cam are driving the offense, David Joplin doesn't have to be this big offensive player. You know, Chase Ross doesn't have to get buckets. Stevie Mitchell doesn't have to get buckets. They're, they're there to contribute in other ways. And I think that's the beauty of the of the culture and the team that's created and we really saw it in the in the Illinois game is people contributed in ways that may either don't show up on stat sheets or in ways that maybe fans don't appreciate. Yeah, I agree. You know, I've heard I see I think I've seen more than one writer or maybe it's broadcast or a combination of both talk about Joplin trying to get his first in-game dunk. Uh, first of all, I guess I'm surprised he didn't have one last year because he's kind of a big guy. I thought he would have had one, even maybe if it's like on a breakaway or something. But I wonder if that's in his head a little bit because he obviously he he missed a dunk in the Illinois game, and I wonder if that's just frustrating him a little bit. That that he I think he's had two chances at one this year and, and it didn't go down. But I I agree with you. He's it's encouraging that he's found other ways to contribute. And long term, I'm not that worried about David Joplin. He, I, he'll be fine. I think that shot will come around. I mean, he's. Uh, got kind of a different body now and maybe he, he needs to adjust his shot <laughs> shooting right. with these this new body these new arms he has but um I, I think he'll be fine but yeah he's it's encouraging that he is still contributing and again he's not shooting you into a grave right it's not like he's right. going you know one for 12 or anything he's giving it up and letting guys who are hitting shots like cam and Oso and tyler kolik on that particular light let them get the buckets and find ways to contribute right and i think another right. guy sorry go ahead no, 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 please. I was ready to pivot to the next guy. Yeah, I was going to say another guy I have been very impressed with early is Ben Gold. His rebounding mm. numbers are outstanding off the bench, and he is earning more minutes. He had seven rebounds um, in the Illinois game, all of them very important when you're uh, you know, going up against uh, Coleman Hawkins and Gary Ayer, who are, who are pretty good rebounders. Um, ben Gold is no longer like what maybe what he could have been described as a year ago is just a, a tall guy who likes to shoot um, and doesn't contribute much defensively. Uh, I, I think he's evolving into a more well-rounded big who, yeah, he could still shoot the three. He'll still step out there uh, and, and make the defense think about that. But to see him improving as a rebounder is extremely encouraging, especially as they go into Maui where they might might be mad. Well, they, I mean, Illinois has a pretty good rebounder. UCLA has good rebounders too, but you might be matching up with Hunter Dickinson or Zach Eady at some point. So to see him adding that aspect of his game is very encouraging. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a weak point for the team overall, right? The 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 defensive rebounding especially yes. is is a bit of a challenge and and some of that is style and strategy and some of that is personnel and and some of that is like, you know, players just not having enough want to, right? And so seeing Ben Gold develop into more, you know, into a rebounding threat that gets that that's a a hook that gets him onto the onto the court and i thought it was really interesting so we talked about david Do- david joplin uh, uh struggling he definitely was struggling especially in the second half and and shaka pulled him for a while and went with the uh um the golden bear right the 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 ben gold uh oso Iguodaro lineup and and actually played that lineup for almost 6 minutes of real game time from the under 12 timeout Till just under six minutes, and then he actually took Oso Iguodaro out and left Ben Gold in at the five for another two minutes. Now I'm I'm sure some of that was strategic to get Oso a little extra rest, get him ready, you know, for the for the for the uh, the, the closeout. But you know that is not something we would have seen last year, right? We would not have seen Ben Gold playing in extended crunch time minutes right like he might have gotten on the court for a minute or two but to play effectively um you know is essentially eight or nine minutes of game time straight that shows me the staff has faith in him as a developing player that that he's earning those minutes yeah, completely agree. It, that shows a, a a trust from the bench and he's earning it and if he's as he continues to grow, and there's no reason to think he won't, uh, you're going to see him in more crunch time minutes, and it's it's a second option. If like, uh, we have another situation, say, where maybe Joplin is in a bit of a funk, it's good to know that gold is an option out there. Or if Joplin's in foul trouble or Oso's in foul trouble, you can right. trust Ben Gold out there to be, a, to be productive in his own way and help the team win games. So I... I Love seeing that, and it's it's good to have depth, and it's good to have options, especially like you said, Phil. Rebounding was maybe Marquette's biggest weak point last season. You know, as good as they were, they weren't perfect, and rebounding was probably their biggest negative. If that's a number that can improve this year, that's that's what you want to see. Right, right, exactly, and and so I think again, you know, I think early in the season we're looking for those inflection points, right? Like at this time last season. We were really starting to see, hey, Cam Jones, Tyler Kolick, Oso Iguodaro, they're 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 trending, you know, much more severely upward than they were the season before, right? So Ben Gold, it's one game, right? But we'll see what Maui brings. But you know, let's mark this down as the point where we say, hey, maybe Ben Gold starts going on that trajectory, and if he does that, the roster flexibility this allows is is tremendous and it and it ironically so i'm in my my new office area in my basement and i have a a big screen tv that i can look up over the monitor and there was just a defensive play in the first half i've got the marquette game on watching it for the fourth time again and ben goal had a tremendous uh baseline closeout to to cut off a corner three early in the game and again he's getting minutes you know in the in the first 10 minutes and he's he's being productive on the defensive end he's rebounding you know do we really need him to be a scorer at this point i think there may be times where we need him as a scorer but he's definitely doesn't need nor does joplin nor does stevie mitchell nor do chase ross do they need to be primary scorers right and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that i mean you don't 
I mean, if he's Marquette's fourth best op- offensive option whenever he's on the floor, that's fine because not everybody can be the number one guy. Uh, right. It's just living, you know, and I think that's something Shaka does exceptionally well is getting guys to buy into their roles, right? Like you right. don't see selfish players on Shaka smart teams because selfish right. players ride the bench and then eventually transfer if they play for Shaka Smart. Uh, you you got to be a team guy, and you got to be one of uh, what Shaka calls one of our Marquette guys, one of our kinds of guys, and all these guys are bought in. <laughs> it's easy to buy in when you're winning. Right, right. Well, but but this, that's the, the key, right? Like, And, and maybe it's, it's up for argument or discussion, but, you know, is it a chicken or the egg thing, right? Is the culture and the vibe so good because the team is winning, or – did the culture and the vibes lead to to a winning culture or or putting people in productive places to be to be successful, right? Like, because I, I we really need to pivot at some point to the just ridiculous game that Tyler Kolek had, but like using Tyler as an example, so he goes off in this game, which we need to talk about. But like, that's not an every game thing. It's not like he's a microwave and he's scoring you know twenty plus points a game. There are games where he's just he's sitting back and he's dishing and he's distributing and he's he's more you know maybe not verbally quiet because I don't I don't think he's ever not talking, um, but but he's he you know he's doing different things and that's kind of how this team is is like whatever makes sense in the moment in the scouting report you know with how everyone's playing you know riding the the hot hand. It doesn't seem, at least from the outside, like anyone gets their feathers ruffled. It's uh, okay. Hey, this is how we got to play. We're gonna hold each other to account. This is the the way we're playing this game. Great. All right, we won. Good. It'll be my shot to be the to be the star later in the season or something like that. And that is, like, I I don't know. I just think that is an underappreciated part of this whole thing. Is is how much, uh, you know, how much Shaka has built. A core and a style around around this team. Yeah, and these guys are buying in, especially Cole. Like, I, I we we've got to like expand. We've touched on it a little bit, saying we're going to talk about. It. Let, let's just dive into that performance from Cole. Like, uh, you know, like I'm not going to say it's his best game as a Golden Eagle, but it's pretty damn good. It's in the team photo. Uh, he. I mean, in the in the context of of the larger context of the injury and all that, I mean, it's got to be a top five, right? Yeah, it's. Yeah, I would have to like dive through all of his games from last year because there were a lot of really, really good ones. Maybe that's a topic for another day. But the fact that yeah, the ankle was swollen. I mean, uh, Brad Underwood said after the game he saw it and it was black and blue, so he was obviously in pain. But he's also stubborn for a good reason. Right. I mean, and I say that in a good way because it, it was funny. The uh, Jason Benetti, the awesome broadcaster for FS1, was saying before the game he uh, he was dunking in like pregame layup lines and saying fresh legs fresh legs just begging the staff to play them and they're like all right fine I'll play and boy did he play. right boy. 24 points and, and yeah. 37 minutes points, 10 of, yeah yeah 37 minutes he, I think yeah, the only time they set out was around that eight minute timeout in the second half that was about it um 24 points 10 of 18 from the floor 37 minutes played six rebounds four assists two steals and, and just a virtuoso performance as far as just getting into the lane and just making those layups look so easy in traffic. Like sometimes I just don't know how he gets some of those shots off without them getting swatted. And I think, right. he, he, I think he had like one shot blocked, and that was on a a, a fast break. 
Yeah, Maybe well, that was number, almost but... like a, his version of a, a, a heat check or his version of a Marcus Howard uh, um, in transition, uh, you know, jump shot or whatever. Um, you know, where he went up and at, at quite frankly, it was a it was a, a, a non efficient shot and he got it blocked. But yeah, he was he 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 chose his shots well. But yeah, I sometimes the physics him and Cam Jones, I don't understand the physics of what what it is they're doing. Yeah, it, but it, it works, and it's absolutely spectacular to watch because almost every time when Tyler goes into the post, he is going up against a taller player. Maybe it's a guy who's like another guard who's like two or three inches taller, or maybe he's going up against a post player who's like six or seven inches taller. But somehow he just head fakes, shot fakes, pivots on that pivot foot, looks one way, looks the other, and all of a sudden gets a layup, and it just looks effortless. And, and I, it's just like I think Paint Touches even said he's like uh, Tyler Kolick is even better than his biggest fans say he is, and I think that right. was put pretty well. Like preseason All American, maybe underselling him a little, a little yeah, bit well, because he was so uh, damn good. Well, and and here's here's something that I think will go unremarked on, but I think is is really telling. So if you look at you know Tyler Kolick's you know uh, stat line, like you read off. You go, oh, wow, 24 points, you know, in a 40-minute game, and he played 37 minutes. That's tremendous. Well, he, if you go back and actually watch, 23 of his 24 points came in the first 30 minutes of the game, right? Like the last 10 minutes, he scored a free throw in the last minute, I think is what it was. So all of his scoring was in the first, you know, three-fourths of the game. And if you look at kind of the, the win probability, he stopped scoring – and the win probability went up. So he started doing different things. He started drawing attention that let other players do other things. He was contributing defensively. So I think when you look at it holistically, like that's what, what makes the game so impressive to me was the ankle injury. He was within the flow of the game when they needed him to be a scorer. He was a scorer. When the when Illinois took that away, he's like, all right, I'm going to distribute. I'm going to you know, get rebounds. I'm going to you know, be a stopper defensively. It was, it was all around very impressive. Yeah. And so whatever pain he was dealing with, he was able to play through it. So I am just going to hope that that ankle only gets better between now and Monday. And uh, hopefully it's less black and blue by then. And he can put together three good performances in Hawaii. And we'll see where Marquette's standing after those games, but uh, a great win. And, And, you know, I think, you know, you and I both predicted that as a win, both in our previous podcast and in our game-by-game before the season, because we believe that Marquette is one of the elite teams in the country, and to do that, you have to go on the road and beat elite teams. And So I think that's the thing that was most, uh, well, not say most satisfying, but one of the satisfying elements of that win is Marquette kind of confirming that, yes, we can go on the road and we can beat a ranked team in their place and make it look, uh, and it did not be... It, a fluke, right? That he weren't like bailed out by whistles or, uh, or like it wasn't, uh, granted we're talking from our side, the Marquette side here, but it didn't feel like it was a cheap win. It was a, just a solid condensing. We are the better team and we are going to beat you in your place. Yeah. I think, I think it was shocking. The, the, the post game with, with Homer and, and uh, Tony Smith that said, you know, that was, that was a very physical game, right? That was the, you know, that was a late, conference season or our March Madness level physicality and again not that they were cheating or you know or, or bad officiating or 
or anything like that. But that was just a hard fought game that, you know, that, that, you know, two opponents that were trying to win, um, you know, Marquette didn't necessarily, um, you know, play its best game offensively. You know, we, you only had Tyler and, and Oso and Cam really leading, doing any scoring. Um, but it was a gritty win. It was a it was a tough win. Illinois is a hard place to play, and they they went in there and they they got the W. And I, you know, it kind of feels like it's hard to say, right? Like November and and uh, you know November non conference games, especially, but just non conference games in general. I mean, this feels like one of the biggest, if not the biggest, conference you know non conference game in in uh, the last four or five years you know other than maybe the 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 justin lewis tip back uh free throw you know in the covid year against wisconsin yeah I, yeah absolutely fantastic. i'm just racking my brain without going through schedules and thinking uh you know non-conference wins maybe there was one in uh, in an mte somewhere that was also really really good but going on the road just is just always so much more impressive because the crowd is against you which just you know you're, it's not like your arena's half your fans or half neutral fans um so yeah that that was it, we even talked in the last pod that marquette hadn't had a, a road win clarifying it was a road win against a power conference opponent uh since 2003 they had like a couple um they had a, a technically a road win over uw milwaukee you mean to make time. us like 36 and 0 or 41 and 0 or something like that yeah yeah whatever yeah but anyway uh nothing is it, it's hard to top going on the road against a ranked team and beating them this early in the season so yeah, so that was pretty good. And like you, like I said earlier, I feel like it wasn't a perfect performance, and that's fine. It's it's a good game for Phil, right? Like there were things to work on and things that Shock and the staff are going to point out and say, look, hey, guys, we won. It was a great effort, but we can still be better, and there are definitely ways they could have been better. F- finishing in transition <laughs> is probably going to be at the top of the list. Um, uh, it's it's going to be up there, and uh, and I think there are several guys on the team said, yeah, we won, did a great effort, but uh, I found ways to contribute, but I'm going to find more ways to contribute as we head into Y. So great win, not a perfect win, and that's okay because I there's this team has not peaked, and that's that's fine, that's good news because I'm excited to see what they're going to look like when they do peak. Yeah, and I uh, I was thinking about it like during the game, and I think either in the Discord chat or you know on Twitter or something like that, somebody somebody even mentioned it. This this felt a little bit like the the redemption arc for the for the Purdue game right last year, where where Marquette, you know, Purdue was no granted Marquette was the higher ranked in this game versus Purdue in that game, but but essentially Marquette went in. Got a lead early, um, grew that lead a little bit through the first half. Purdue kind of came back, and and then in the second half there was the, the the Chase Ross play where you know infamously he got three different cracks at it and didn't make. Purdue went the other way, you know, and it would have been a twelve point lead. Purdue went the other way and hit a three point shot and it got down to six, and you know, and we never totally recovered and ended up losing that game. Um, but this Illinois game, in terms of a, a complete game. Um, you know, we went into a hostile environment, a, a challenging team, um, you know, with 16, 17 minutes to go in the in the second half, you know, Illinois took a lead and we could have we could have collapsed. We could have we could have turned around and said it's it, it, not our night. Right. Like we're not we're not going to we're not going to get there. And, and we didn't. They fought back. They generated a big lead. And, you know, and, and really, you know, kind of collectively as a unit um, produced a really good, re- really good result. Yeah, it, agreed. 
on all points. You know, it's it, it's basically comforting to see that this team, for the most part, is picked up where it left off a year ago. It, that they, it's not like a, a reset that they have to say, all right, well, we're not as good as we were a year ago. We got to get back to that point. They've essentially picked up right where they left off. They're one of the better teams in the country, and they are showing it. And now, Phil, what an opportunity heading to Hawaii in this tournament. Uh, the Maui Invitation. We've talked about it off and on in previous podcasts, really since the summer. But uh, and as we're recording this on Thursday, we've talked about how good the field is. And now that we're here, we can. Now there may be some shifts in the rankings between now and Monday. But as we're recording this on Thursday, five of the top nine teams on Ken Palm are in this tournament. Number one, Purdue. Number three, Kansas. Number seven, Gonzaga. Eight, Tennessee. Nine, Marquette. <laughs> Good Loaded Lord. Loaded field. Good Lord. So um, just a quick rundown of the bracket before we break down uh, maybe Marquette's first matchup and then what could come after that. So if you're not familiar with the field here, like here's the bracket. Here's how it sets up. First game will be Tennessee and Syracuse. Uh, that tips off at 130 Central Time on Monday. Then you got Purdue Gonzaga after that. That's a great opening round game. Yep. Then in the evening session, which tips off at eight Central Time, Kansas plays the host school Chaminade, and then Marquette will be the last game. So maybe an evening coffee may be in order for those of you, especially those of you on the East Coast. Uh, tips at eleven thirty East Coast time, ten thirty approximately ten thirty Central Time. Marquette will play UCLA in game four. So of the first day. So this is a, a tournament that every team will play three games. So they got a winner's bracket, got a loser's bracket. If Marquette beats UCLA, it will face very, in all likelihood, Kansas. If not, they would face almost certainly Chaminade, which does nothing as far as strength of schedule or anything. Cause Chaminade is not division one. And so Phil, like I said, Marquette is guaranteed at least two great games on its strength of schedule. The first game against UCLA and then who, whatever the last game is, if, if, because if you win against UCLA, you're going to be in that winner's bracket where you're probably going to be paired up with Kansas, the winner of Gonzaga-Purdue, and in all likelihood, Tennessee. So you'll play, uh, of those three teams, you'll play two of them. Right. Then, But if you go to the loser's bracket, you're playing Chaminade. Again, not such a great game, but you'll probably win that one. And then very likely play the loser of Purdue-Gonzaga in the fifth place game, which is not bad. So it's a chance to get out of there with one more solid, at least one win if the if bracket goes that way but Phil uh, I'll just start with this just I'm giddy for the tournament because in all likelihood the team that wins it will be the number one team in the country the following Monday yeah absolutely has to be right like I mean because you know as you as you map it out you in three days you are playing most likely you are playing three top top eight teams right or top nine teams right like I, I, I if you win three against other top ten teams I, I don't know how you can't be the number one team. Including a team that will be number one because Kansas survived their right. uh, game against Kentucky on Tuesday night. So Kansas is the number one team. So if you beat them, there will be, you would think, a new number one team. So whoever comes out of this. You know, uh, one thing that's fascinating to me, Phil, is uh, the 2003 Final Four, every team has a tie to this tournament. Except for Shamanad, You remember the right? 2003 f- Yeah. <laughs> well, not Shamanad. But the, uh, the 2003 Final Four was, of course... Our Marquette Golden Eagles, the Kansas Jayhawks, they are both there. The Syracuse Orange, who of course won the national title that year, they are in this tournament. 
and Rick Barnes, who was coaching Texas at the time. He's coaching Tennessee. <laughs> so there is a, like a direct tie from the 2003 Final Four uh, to this game, to, to uh, this tournament. But I, I thought that was a little fascinating, just not to get too off track. But You know, but man, the, the um, Lord works in mysterious ways, right? Maybe yeah, we're due I, to... I, I, to you know, to heal some some wounds from there. Yeah, I, I would still trade. Uh, I, I would still trade uh, this tournament for uh, if we could redo that 03 Final Four. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that that would go a better way. But uh, so Kansas will always have that over us. But uh, just a, a, a but just to to get an opportunity to play the number one team in the country is. That's all you can ask for, and I, I hopefully Marquette will be able to do that. But first, got to get past UCLA, so let's touch on UCLA a little bit. Uh, UCLA lost quite a bit uh, to the NBA draft, but they, they do have a lot of talent coming back. They do have guys like younger guys who are maybe projected in future NBA drafts, but this team may still be kind of figuring things out, Phil. Uh, I mean, they really have not played a great schedule at all so far. I think that kind of reflects maybe what they thought they would be coming into the right. season that they they kind of wanted to learn some things about themselves first before they played anybody uh, I mean they've played St. Francis Lafayette and LIU so those teams are all in the lower lower tier of Ken Palm three all of them 329 or worse both LIU and St. Francis are in the 350s on Ken Palm so UCLA is obviously three and oh you better be against that schedule but Phil we know Mick Cronin teams are going to play slower uh, so they they would love to have this game in the 60s, maybe even lower than that. Uh, Adem Bona is going to be the guy you're going to want to be aware of for them. He was a five-star guy a couple years ago. He came back for a second year. Uh, he is a 6'10 big man. He's averaging 18 points and nine boards through their first two games. Dylan Andrews is their point guard. He's a talented I'm actually familiar with him. He's uh, He was a five-star point guard. He got, also came back for um, his second season. So, those are the two guys that jump out to me. They also have some uh, European guys who transferred in late uh, to add a little depth to the squad. But um, from what you know of UCLA, uh, Phil, how do you see them matching up with Marquette? Well, I, I think they, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting, right? Like, I think they present a little bit of an unknown challenge, right? Like, how, what is this team? There, there's probably not enough game film of this combination of players to really prepare for, hey, this team does X, Y, whatever, right? And again, the slow pace, it's going to require Marquette to not, um, not get frustrated, right? Like it's very easy to get frustrated with Mick, Mick Cronin as an individual, let alone the the style and the, <laughs> the the teams, the the way his teams play. So you know Marquette's going to have to, you know, maintain its cool, so to speak, as it's as it's as it's trying to go through um, that UCLA defense. I think the one thing that's really encouraging is like UCLA does not seem to be a very good shooting team. Um, so if Marquette can, you know, unlock UCLA's defense, I, I could see Marquette kind of, you know, pulling away in this one, right? Because I just uh, UCLA doesn't have the horses to keep up offensively. So if Marquette can get our offense going, I don't know that it turns into a shootout. Yeah, the uh, the stats back that up, Phil. Like, granted, small sample size through a few games, but against by opponents, you think they might have a chance to up these numbers. But through three games, UCLA is only shooting twenty four percent from three. Um, now there may be some guys who can do better than that uh, over the long haul, but they haven't shown it so far. So yes, if this turns into a three point contest, Marquette could run away with it. Right. Um, 
that's why UCLA wants to slow this down. They who, uh, they will probably try to limit what Marquette can do from beyond the arc. But if this is a game where Cam Jones, David Joplin, Tyler Kulik, whoever gets on a heater from be, beyond three, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with your assessment there that I think UCLA would struggle to keep up because, uh, you know, as talented as, as Bona is, um, if you're trading threes for twos over the course of the game, it's going to get away from you. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, UCLA this season with this collection of players have not played anything other than by teams and by teams that are relatively not good, right? So so I it you know and and it's not like they have the past history, right? We just talked about Marquette's kind of picking up where they left off last year where they've got the you know, they're battle hardened, they've got, you know, that 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 grit that you know maybe UCLA hasn't I don't know we'll find out but it it seems likelier than not that they're gonna you know if they run into adversity they might not handle it as well you know and again you know when you got a you know tiny little person screaming at you from the sideline for every mistake you make I you know I don't know that that builds confidence either I, I do I, I do miss trolling Mick Cronin from the days when he was at Cincinnati. Yes, and, you know they were in the Big East with Marquette. And I, I definitely miss the Cincinnati Xavier rivalry when it was Chris Mack and Mick Cronin because they kind of like to talk each other quite a bit. But the one thing I do respect about Mick Cronin, though, he is one of the few coaches who still wears a suit on the sideline. That's fair. He probably might do, he probably won't do that in Hawaii. Uh, I, I think everyone just wears Hawaiian shirts at the Maui Invitational, so he might. Uh, dress down a little bit for for this, but uh, again, one of the few coaches that still rocks a suit on the sideline. I respect that. I, I do respect that. It's a good look, but um, yeah, it, it is that that aside. Yes, it is fun to make jokes about Mick Cronin just because I don't know why, but it just is. Oh, um, I just love counting the veins on his forehead. I, I, I think I think that's maybe part of it. Is like when he gets mad, it, it, he, he just kind of makes funny faces. Right. Uh, hopefully, Marquette makes him very mad. Right. On, on super Monday. angry. Uh, with, with, the, with <laughs> we can maybe see is you know he might change into different colors or whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean UCLA has played very well defensively. But again, considering the opponents, you better be playing well defensively against these teams. But their defense is in the top eleven on Ken Palm, so they'll guard you and they will try to slow you down, make try to make you use that entire shot clock. But Marquette's offense is fine using the entire shot clock if you want to. Right. Right? Because that's just more time for Tyler Kolick and also Igadaro to get creative and figure out something um, and find a way to get in the paint. So uh, yeah, great. I mean, Marquette, I know it's going to be a tough challenge, but Marquette has already shown they're up for a tough challenge. Ken Palm has this as a five-point win for Marquette. I haven't seen a Vegas line just yet. It might be a little early for that. But, yeah, I'm I'm relatively confident. I always say that was hesitation. But, you know, I'm not going to win. I think Marquette could win this relatively comfortably. Um, I'm not saying they're going to blow them out by like 15, 20 points, right. but it may be in a lower possession game. I think they could win this by eight or more. So it'd be, it'd be like another game where, even though it's close at times, by the time you get into the final two minutes and it's free throw shooting time, uh, I, I think it would be a game where you, you feel confident that Marquette gets the win from from the jump. Yeah, I, you know, I think I think I see this game going one of two ways, right? It's either kind of it's almost like a a a Wisconsin clone game, right, where it's it's a bit of a rock fight. It's grinding, it's yeah. it's slow, you know, Marquette has to has to try and close it out late, or I see Marquette generally, you know, kind of 
leading with, you know, five, anywhere from a five to 10 point lead, you know, a healthy lead through the majority of the game, right? Uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't know unless UCLA goes real cold or Marquette gets real hot that Marquette's going to ab- absolutely blow the doors off of uh, of UCLA. But I, I do think that they've um, they've got the ability to again. I, I I think UCLA's defense, at least statistically, is a bit. I don't want to say fraudy, but it's it's a bit you know over oversampled. Because it is, you know, like when you look at the Kempom numbers, right? That's that's using last year's defense plus the defense against the first three teams so, of that they played, which were low quality opponents. So, you know, I, I again, I, I I don't think that UCLA is is as challenging as they seem on paper. So if if Marquette goes in and and does what it does, I I'm pretty confident this is a win. I, I would agree, and, and yeah, UCLA is younger than Marquette. Marquette has more experience, and they just have the the team chemistry that UCLA may not have yet. UCLA may be better by the end of the year by the time they get into Pac-12 play. Um, but I, I again, the, the numbers back it up that Marquette is a favorite. Marquette should be a favorite, and I think Marquette should win. And after a performance like that in Champaign, Illinois, I am confident that they are up for a challenge like this. Um, now, if they handle that, I don't know how much I want to break down games that may or may not happen, Phil, but right. when you look at the bracket as a whole – I, obviously, you're you, you're excited about the potential for a Marquette Kansas matchup. Kansas, the number one team in the country, uh, they <laughs> looked looked the part early on. A great comeback win against Kentucky. Some new pieces there, and then you got uh, you know Purdue looming on the other side. Tennessee has looked great. Tennessee may be able to score a lot more than it has in past years, and then you always got Gonzaga, uh, who has totally overhauled its roster and will probably be another vintage Gonzaga team. Um, how do you see the bracket shaping out? Do you want to start? Do you want to go that way and just think like how, what, how you think the bracket will form as far as Marquette's path and what you think is going to happen? Well, I, I, before even we do that, I guess the question I would ask you, so let's, uh, again, and, and, you know, knock on all the wood, right? Let's assume it's Marquette-Kansas in game two. Regardless of the Marquette-Kansas result, who, like, and this is a Venn diagram of, quality and ability to win who do you want out of the Gonzaga Purdue Tennessee grouping right let uh, you know man. which one of those three would you want to play where hey high quality opponent it's going to look good on a resume but gives us the best chance to win I'd be a tree man I think it's that whatever I say might come back to bite me. Right. Um, <laughs> narratively, I, I, narratively, I want to play Purdue and try and get revenge for last year's game. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, as because Marquette almost beat Purdue at their place. Right. They had them on the ropes, and it just kind of got away from them in the closing minutes. And uh, I thought they had a great game plan for Edie a year ago. Uh, like he still got his buckets, but he did not dominate that game as you think he might be able to now. Purdue is now a year older and a year better, um, but so is Marquette right. for the most part. Um, so I would be very excited to play Purdue again and see if they could maybe finish the job against that team. Like I, I guess I would be as far as the team that I think Marquette could beat. That's very good. I'd be interested to play Gonzaga. Um, it, granted, Gonzaga has reloaded. They have good players, and, and it's uh, you know it, they've they're past the Drew Timmy era, but. Um, I think Marquette could could play very well. The thing that scares me about Tennessee is 
they are as good as they were a year ago defensively, but Tennessee's big issue a year ago was they they went in long stretches when they couldn't score. Yeah. Um and it and it seems like they have a legit offense now. So Tennessee could be dangerous and, and like I would be thing is I would love a win over Tennessee because I think they could win a very deep SEC. And if you could have a win over look, think about this. If if you beat Kansas and then Tennessee Potentially having the uh, wins over the Big Twelve and SEC champs. Long season to go to get there, but man, that would be awesome. Well, you have but, those two wins um, plus you take care of business like you're supposed to in conference play. That gets you the number one overall. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, like hands well, down. We're looking right? like way down the road here, but yeah, we're looking way way down the road here. But that's I mean, this is the type of schedule you play when you think you are a national championship contender and you are stockpiling games, stockpiling opponents to prove that and have the strength of schedule that would make you worthy of not just a one seed, but the one overall seed. But yeah, th- honestly, Phil, like I never answered your question really because I don't have a good answer because any one of those three would be an awesome opponent. Right. I, I would. I guess I would lean towards, as far as resume building and schedule, I would rather play one of the power conference teams because as good as Gonzaga is, um, that WCC, I mean, they'll always kind of laugh their way through it. Um, and I'm never sure how great Gonzaga is until we get to March. Uh, but I know Purdue and Tennessee will have very, very challenging schedules, but they will navigate them pretty well and still probably be top ten teams when we get to March. So um, either one of those would be fine. Uh, like I, If you get there, I mean, if, if you get to the championship game, it doesn't matter who you're playing. I, I would be elated to play whoever it is. Yeah, I, I, I think – I mean, narratively, I think I want Purdue and or Gonzaga, right? Like, and I agree with you that like Gonzaga probably on paper helps you the least long term, right? Because there's always going to be that, well, they play in the WCC and they don't play anybody outside of non-con. So we really don't know what they're, what they are, da, 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 da. right? So I get that. But to your point, I think at Tennessee of the, of the three teams, and it is really just a factor of, a, we haven't played Tennessee, and B, early season perception is, like you said, I, I think they've fixed their offensive problem. Um, that, to me, makes it feel like a dangerous. Because, again, if if Purdue, Gonzaga, and Tennessee are all going to help the resume, then I want to optimize for a win. And I think we can beat Gonzaga. I think we can have a game plan for Purdue. Tennessee's an unknown, so that's the one I just kind of want to f- throw out, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, like, even though you said, like, Gonzaga may help you the least, it's still awesome. It's still that's still very likely going to be a top 10 team because, right, again, right. the schedule they play, they'll probably have a great resume and probably go on a 20 game winning streak at some point this year. I mean, it's like, there's no bad option. Like, do you want the filet? You want the New York strip? You want the porterhouse? They're all awesome. Right. <laughs> you, just gotta, you, can get, you can get any of them as long. But to do that, I mean, the thing is, even if you lose to Kansas, you're probably going to get one of those teams. But you just got to beat UCLA first. And to me, that's that that's like the the critical point of the whole weekend is just beating UCLA. Right. Because if you do that, you have you you avoid a game with Chaminade, and then you're guaranteed two games against some combination of Kansas, Gonzaga, Purdue. And likely Tennessee, unless Syracuse pulls an upset. Syracuse has gotten off to a decent start, considering it's a total reset in the post-Jim Beheim era. But they are the only power conference team um, in this tournament that's outside the Ken Palm top 30. At this point, I'm saying 36, because that's where UCLA is. How low is Syracuse right now on Ken Palm? Syracuse, 114. That's not great. So... 
So, yeah, they're way down there. Now, they've gotten off to a nice start. They had a long, big comeback. Who was it? Colgate that almost Yeah, Colgate. Them, they they were down by 24 to Colgate. But, yeah, they did rally to win. So, Syracuse is building, and yeah, anything can happen in this tournament. You know, there's going to be upsets. The bracket's never going to go exactly the way you expect. My just hope is that the one unexpected thing is not UCLA over Marquette. Right. That that's that's the one expected outcome is Marquette over UCLA that I really want to happen for several reasons. One, you're in the winners bracket, and you get like we said, one two games against those very likely those four opponents I, I just mentioned. Right. And secondly, uh, because of the way the bracket is set up for TV reasons, the first and third place games are played first on Wednesday, so that. That allows the uh, championship game to be on at uh, 5 Eastern time on Wednesday. And then the uh, late games are, are – are, then they play the fifth-place game and the seventh-place game after that. So those are like late night on like Central time, Eastern time, and they're, they're uh, it's like 7 p.m. and 4.30 p.m. Hawaii time. So I – as a person who's going to be there, I would love to just be able to go to that first and third place game, whatever Marquette's in, on Wednesday and probably pass on like the late games yeah. and just enjoy the island for the rest of the trip. So that's another reason why I really, really want Marquette to beat UCLA, to just kind of clear out uh, my schedule for Wednesday afternoon. But hey, if Marquette's playing in the fifth or seventh, it would probably be the fifth place game. I would hope it is because, God, you don't want to lose to Chaminade. No. So if Marquette does... If Marquette uses, loses to UCLA, they would very likely be in the fifth place game, which would be at 7 p.m. Hawaii, midnight Eastern, so 11 p.m. Central. You don't want that, but you'd probably be playing the loser of Purdue Gonzaga, very likely, because the loser of that game would probably play Syracuse, probably win. So that's who you is probably going to be in the fifth place game. So you would get one more quality opponent, but again, just to keep repeating it, Phil, Beating UCLA is the key to the whole weekend because really almost whatever happens after that is perfectly set. If you beat UCLA and then you lose to Kansas and you lose to Tennessee, it's still fine. Right. Like you've challenged yourself and played two good opponents and you come back in a learning experience, right, with two excellent opponents that no one is going to clown you for losing to. Right. No, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, you know, it, it's, it's not the same tenor, right, of the just don't lose to DePaul days, but like – as long as we don't lose to UCLA, and they're a quality opponent, they could beat us, right? It's not it's not like they're a clown show yeah. or anything, right? They absolutely could yeah, beat us. Yeah, if Marquette us. plays a poor game, Marquette will lose. Yeah, if Marquette plays a bad game, they will lose to UCLA. Right. But I am expecting them to play a very good game. Right, and, and so as long as you don't lose to UCLA, everything is kind of gravy, and in that way... Like I, I don't ex- expect that the, the 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 players will feel this way, but for me as a viewer, as long as they escape the last two games with no no injuries and they look competent, even if they lose both those games, you know it'll suck. But I'll get it. It's you know like you're playing, you're hit, you're you're fighting at your you know lofty expectations and how those kind of you know how that turns out in a tournament in november in hawaii like you know it's great to carry momentum forward if you win but if you lose it doesn't devastate the season either and i would even dare say if it goes that way marquette wins their first game loses to kansas and then loses to again one of those three at the top i bet they're still ranked in the top 10 yeah the following week it should be right yeah there's nothing. There's no shame in losing to the number one team and then whoever uh, 
whoever else the other one team team is who's also probably going to be in the top ten. So like they're not going to like drop you out of the top twenty five if that happens. Yeah, you have two losses, but two dang good losses. Um, but I am hoping for three wins, Phil. And I really think that I think Marquette is capable of it. Um, it, it, it granted, it would be a a grind, and it would be quite a showing to go out there and beat Kansas and say Purdue or Tennessee or somebody. But this team has that in them, and gosh, if they do it, Marquette would be ranked number one for the first time since what 1977 yeah um, something like that yeah I, I i do know their current ranking of number four is their highest ranking since night the 77 78 season so the first year after al mcguire but uh i i think i want to say paint touches has tweeted this out before i got i'd have to find it but it, like i think marquette is currently it may have the longest stretch since its previous number one so of, t- of teams that have achieved the number one ranking marquette i think has the longest gap since getting back to the number one if that makes sense yeah that no that that does make sense and and to your point yes Mar- marquette can win this whole tournament and like i don't know i'd like i i know we've been talking about how this team is great and they have national title aspirations and all of this stuff you know and that the illinois game kind of confirmed hey legit team qual- high quality they could go places but winning this whole tournament which they're capable of just as they're capable of losing it but if they win this whole tournament like Holy crap, that puts us in ground that, like, except for, you know, like Charles Pierce, uh, you know, and, and you know, some some of the, the older Marquette alumni have never experienced in their lifetime. Yeah. Mar- again, for uh, anyone who has become a fan since the Al McGuire era, they have never known Marquette to be the number one team in the country. Right. And, and like, you know, even in a loss, I mean, there, there there's a scenario where Marquette loses to two number one teams, right? They could lose to Kansas, and then Kansas could go on and lose to whoever in the championship game. And then the new team that, you know, that, uh, well, actually, no, that wouldn't work because, never mind, because Marquette wouldn't play the, the, the new number one. So, never mind. I was, I was getting way over my skis there. But the point remains, Marquette is a top ten team. And more than likely, barring disaster, continues to be a top 10 team. Just a question of how tippity top they get. So, yeah, I, I'm just excited. I'm getting to see what happens. And I'm definitely looking forward to just checking out the island and just enjoying Hawaii for a few days. But, yeah, I... Uh, well, and, do, and do given, we dare do given where your, your seats are, there, there might be a Joe McCann sighting or two on the, the national broadcast. Yeah, I uh, actually got some pretty good seats. It looks like. Uh, I mean, I'll have to like actually sit in them to see. But uh, look, I'll, I'll take, I'll post photos from where I'm at and follow me on Twitter, and I'll post them on Instagram. I'm the same handle there too. But I'll, I don't know what I'm going to be posting when I'm there. But I'll, I'll share something if you guys want to keep up with my adventures while I'm out there. And hey, if you're a Marquette fan who's going to be in Hawaii, say hello. Yeah, Let's hang out. Hit him up. Get a beer. Hit him up. Get, get him a birthday beer. It, we can celebrate his birthday a week <laughs> late. That's fine. Yeah. Hey, I, for my birthday, I got a win over Illinois. That's just about all I wanted. But um, Yeah, so I'm looking forward to being out there, interacting with some Marquette fans. I'm sure there will be plenty out there. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I, I'm just going to keep with positive vibes, Phil. Yeah. And, and I know it's way out there, and but I'm, I am I think Marquette wins a dang thing. I'm going to say they're going to go out there and shock Ooh. the world and really start a buzz. Uh, and, and I think they're going to be the number one ranked team in the country when uh, – Wow, you've 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 been you've weekend. been taking a hit off of my bottle. Wow, I know, <laughs> I know. That's that's probably it's probably maybe a too many hits of the optimism juice. But you know what? That's where I'm at. You know what? 
F it. I'm in too. I like again, they they could lose multiple games in this tournament, but I just I don't know. It's a feeling. It's it's it I just feel like there's this season has magical season written all over it. And if they lose a couple of games in this tournament, I don't think that's going to change my my feeling that it's that it's a magical season, you know, depending on how those games look, but I I I don't know. It's just one of those I feel like some stars are aligning and you know, you talk about the, the, the 2003 kind of Final Four redemption narrative, all this stuff, like, I, I don't know. And, and you know, Shaka is complete. you know, in the Wojo era, I might have been like, oh, man, we're going to see video of Kansas demolishing, you know, Marquette in, in 03 during this broadcast all the time. And it's just going to make me feel bad. And, like, but now in the Shaka era, I, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be clips of that. And you know what? I, it's just going to fuel my enjoyment of the game, right? Like, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to be worried about it. it you know, so, I, like, you know, as the kids said, I'm, I'm all about the vibes right now. I am too. I am too. So, feeling good about it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be an electric tournament. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about it next week because it just, again, Five of the top ten, five of the top nine teams on Ken Palm are in this tournament as yeah. we're recording this on Thursday. So, uh, quite a field, quite a field. Very excited for it. And I, I, I know you're excited for your Thanksgiving holiday as well, Phil. I, I hope you can connect with some Marquette alums out there and uh, watch this and watch this tournament. I'm, I know you'll be watching. Well, yeah, watch it with some Marquette alums as well. Well, it, it works um, out. I, I, I get to you know because I'm going an hour west uh, from a time zone perspective. That that makes the games a little more. Uh, you know, palatable. A a ten thirty start for uh, for Marquette on in the Mountain Time Zone is a little better than eleven thirty. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing I gotta I I gotta find a little time before the Marquette game on Monday. To, I gotta watch some Chiefs Eagles. Ooh, gonna be oh yeah, you gotta see how the uh, the Swifts and the Kelseys those that parent meeting goes. Is that is that why you're watching that game? Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm watching him because I actually care about the football game. <laughs> I think it's going to be a really good football game. But it's going on during Kansas Shamanad, so I, I got to, like, split my time there. Uh, Kansas Shamanad will probably be very one-sided, yes. so I can probably, like, miss a good chunk of that game. And then hopefully Monday Night Football wraps up uh, just as UCLA Marquette is uh, tipping off. So Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that. It should be an exciting week. And, uh, yeah, that's really all I got, Phil. I am I, let's let's let's, let's make it be Monday already. I'm just I'm ready for Monday. Yeah, yeah. I I I'm I'm ready for this tournament as well. So hey, as always, you can hit us up uh, on Twitter. I am Joe McCann three. Phil is M O O O F twenty three. At Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. Go to CrackSidewalks.com. Post your comments on CrackSidewalks.com if you would like. We post the podcast there and also rate review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And again, I don't know what I'll be posting exactly from Hawaii, but I will post stuff and let you guys know what's going on. Maybe I run into some interesting people and talk to them and throw some interviews up or whatever on Instagram. Again, I'm on the same handle on Instagram as I am on Twitter if you want to follow my adventures there. And uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch. I'll keep you uh, apprised, Phil, of what is happening on the Yeah, we, we, we got boots on the ground. Much- we got boots on the ground. All I ask is like, if they're beach pictures, they're tasteful beach, beach pictures, but... You know, other than that. Oh, believe me. 
<laughs> yeah, I uh, there will be nothing but tasteful beast pictures because I will not be in them at all. I will just take the picture. I will not be in the picture. I will just show you the lovely scenery of uh, of Honolulu. Yeah. So. Well, I'm I'm excited for you. You it it sounds like not only from a game perspective but just from an experience perspective, you're gonna have a hell of a trip. So uh, you yeah, know, was, travel safe think, and be uh, well. I, I appreciate. It. I I think our guy Andre over at Paint Touches said it best because when I had an opportunity to buy these tickets like back in August and great it was a pretty big check to write for those t- <laughs> for these tickets and I was debating doing it it's like man that's it's quite a big hit on the old credit card but uh Andre he said uh, Joe trust me November you is going to love August you yes and he's right yes I, I I very much love August Joe right now for doing this for me so uh I I appreciate it and I am looking forward to the weekend so hey hope we'll, to interact with you guys uh all next week from Hawaii and uh, keep you uh, apprised of what's going on and hopefully we just celebrate three Marquette wins and a great showing in Hawaii and maybe just maybe a Maui Invitational Championship I believe I believe point at the sign Joe Ted Lasso I believe as well Uh, believe believe and until next time folks seashells Hawaii seashells and balloons